This is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, and we're very excited to have available for you one of the great spiritual classics of all time, The Ascent of Mount Carmel by St. John of the Cross. We thought it would be a good idea to give you just a bit of an introduction to it by talking with a Carmelite expert, Dr. Anthony Lillis, who many of you are familiar with through his series on Discerning Hearts called Beginning to Pray. With Anthony, we've explored in depth the works of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity and also St. Teresa of Avila and many of the other mystical saints of the church. Anthony took time out of his busy day to give us a few thoughts that could help us as we begin our ascent of Mount Carmel. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, you're aware that on Discerning Hearts, we have begun an interesting exploration of one of the great spiritual writers and probably one of the great spiritual works ever written, and that's The Ascent of Mount Carmel. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it is an important work. If it's understood, especially by people who offer spiritual direction, but also by people who are directed, it's incredibly freeing around certain preconceptions we have regarding the spiritual life. For example, the idea that somehow we are most spiritually well off when we have good feelings and everything's comfortable and and we're kind of on top of our spiritual life and have it all mastered. John of the Cross is actually going to say, that's a good place to get to as a beginner, but when if you want to grow, God is going to pull you away from all that familiarity and he's going to put you in a difficult place. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. What I'm so struck on is his awareness of, I want to say, the psychology of the human person, but maybe better, he has this understanding of the soul in his journey. And he has a way of articulating it like I don't think I've ever read before. Yeah. I think your insight is good. Uh, spiritual writers do talk about a psychological, uh, his psychological insight. In Dark Night of the Soul, he uh, shows that off a little bit. It's uh, ideas that uh, he also develops in Spiritual Canticle and Living Flame. So his, his insight into the soul is beautiful. But what makes his insight into the soul so beautiful is the contemplation of the of the Holy Trinity that's kind of behind all of his works. He always sees the soul in relation to God. So his understanding of human psychology and experiences, he's constantly interpreting this in light of love of God that is reaching out to us and beckoning us beyond the limits of our, our own broken capacities into a, a new wholeness a new fullness, a, a fullness of life we can't possibly imagine, but he longs for us to know. You know, there are occasions when we encounter those spiritual writers that as we begin to enter into the works, we become intimidated. We might say to ourselves, whoa, they're so deep. I can't go that deep. And isn't that putting a kind of a, a restraint on ourselves in some ways, because with John of the Cross, what I'm finding is when I go back and I listen to this once, like he recommends in the prologue, once, twice, sometimes three times, 
it becomes more of a lexio. That's true. John of the Cross is somebody in order to get that you need to, to read several times. I, in my own personal life, I began studying him in 1987, probably read his complete works almost every year all the way through from, from 87 until almost the year 2000. And it was in the year 2000 that I finally began to teach his works. And it was only after five or six years of teaching that, I, that what he, the full impact of what he was saying made itself impressed in my own soul. So he, he's somebody you spend a long time with, but the fruit of his idea, if you are patient with it and you keep on going back to it, the fruits of the, the truth he's trying to give you are just that good. It's, it's like drinking a very fine wine. You want to savor all the flavors that are there and not rush it. You've got to kind of let it uh, take it in. Um, you, you know, you also mentioned that the idea that this is too rich, too deep, too hard for me. Uh, for me, when I first started reading this, I, I was involved and still am uh, with charismatic spirituality and, and praise and prayer. And, and I wanted to go from glory to glory. And the idea of passing through a dark night, I thought, oh, that's somebody else's spirituality that's not mine. Mm-hmm. And and the idea that the dark night was actually a good thing, something uh, a grace to ask God for, I, I thought, well, that's definitely maybe those Carmelites, but not me. <laughs> after all these years later, looking back uh, at it now, I, I think God had drawn me to the writings of Saint John the Cross to prepare me for some of the things that He was He's going to entrust me with in my life. Uh, things like trials and hardships and difficulties and renunciations that I would have to make and and repentance of broken habit patterns and broken uh, ways of thinking. God prepared me for all those different kinds of conversion by drawing me to this text and getting me to read it over and over again. And I've come now, all these years later, I've begun to see the wisdom of St. John of the Cross and what he's proposed. And though I love charismatic prayer and and many of my best friends, this is their, the main part of their spirituality, and they're very holy people and more disciplined than I am. What I can say about this text is that all of us, no matter what our spirituality is, no matter how the Lord has called us to walk in our life, all of us are called to renounce ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow in the footsteps of our crucified God. And mm-hmm. John of the Cross takes you right there. He certainly does. You know, what I found just so stunning, usually a prologue is just that. I mean, it's just a little snippet, a little bite of what's going to be coming in the future. But this particular prologue has so much in it that, I mean, even if you just sat and went back over and over again, it it challenges, and yet it also, it's. I want to say it's like a balm in a way, for your soul, because for those times when you felt you weren't understood, that what I was experiencing, others were telling me I was just daft, you know, I mean, it, it was kind of reassuring in some ways that he allows us to be unique. Is that fair? Yep. I, I think that's a, a very beautiful uh, insight. And, um, as you go through these passages in the prologues, you'll see he's, he not only describes different kinds of souls and how they respond to what God's doing, 
but he also describes different kinds of confessors and spiritual directors. Mm-hmm. And and this is good for those who are listening to the, these these podcasts. As you listen, if you are a spiritual director or a confessor, it's good for you to hear this because you can sometimes recognize, oh, I have that tendency, John of the Cross got me. But it's also good if, if you're if you're someone receiving spiritual direction or as you go to confession as a penitent, helps you interpret sometimes our confessors, our spiritual directors, sometimes don't have don't always make the best judgments about things. And something in your conscience says, no, that isn't right. And John of the Cross is, maybe will validate that. that uh, no, uh, God's calling you beyond what the spiritual director is kind of saying right now. So you need to go deeper in your discernment with him, and you need to re-engage him and reinvigorate your conversation with him. John of the Cross gives wisdom to have great conversations with our confessors, with our spiritual directors, uh, because he He's, he himself is so experienced as a spiritual director. And my goodness, I mean, as we, we go in deeper and even the beginning chapters, you see how steeped in Scripture he is. I mean, this explains Elizabeth of the Trinity in so many ways because she's the good daughter of John of the Cross, isn't she? Yes, she is. And unlike John of the Cross, she didn't have the full Bible. She had lists of Bible verses that she memorized. But because she read St. John of the Cross, her understanding of the books of the Bible, even though she didn't have it, you can, you can see where she picked up a lot of her understanding from John of the Cross. He, like other mystics of the time in the 16th century Spain, like there was another doctor of the church proclaimed by Pope Benedict named John of Avila. John of Avila had memorized the scriptures so deeply that Ignatius of Loyola told the early Jesuits, don't let him die. If he dies, we'll lose part of sacred scripture. Well, John of Avila influenced Teresa of Avila, and Teresa of Avila influenced John of the Cross, and this kind of living awareness that uh, in order to grow deep in prayer, you need to learn the language of the scriptures. The language of the scriptures is the language of prayer. John of the Cross knows this language. Anyone who invests themselves in this book they're going to also pick up this wisdom of sacred scriptures that will influence the way you read and engage the scriptures in your own life. It will open them up in a more prayerful way. At the same time, it, it gives his own teaching kind of a, an added depth and breadth to it. Yeah, I would highly recommend for those who are following on Discerning Hearts and listening to the audio version, and we're trying to give you it in just the right sizes, you know, just the right chunks, that when you begin you know, do stop things or listen all the way through and then go back again. Because what he's giving you, don't you think, Anthony, there are a lot of people, and myself included, who have really benefited from a, a real structured study of the scriptures. And you, you learn a lot of historical context and you learn a lot of the background of the scriptures. But there comes a point where you, I think Pope Benedict called it the mystagogia of prayer that once you, you can learn so much, but then you begin to take it all in and it comes alive in a completely different way. And John of the Cross, you, you're hearing that as he's exploring. This is a real mystagogical type of study of Scripture. Yes, it is. Um, you know, the book itself is based on a poem, and the poem is called Dark Night, Una Noche Escura. This dark night, he wrote this poem 
while he was imprisoned in Toledo, he was imprisoned for nine months and not allowed to see daylight for nine months. And in that experience, while he was unjustly imprisoned and tormented by, by those who imprisoned him, he began to ponder um, how God comes to us in the night how he comes to us in ways that we don't expect, in unfamiliar ways. In the night, which seemed at first to be so oppressive and difficult, as he began to think about the ways God was visiting him in his prison cell, the, the night turned from being kind of a bitter, difficult challenge. It, it turned into a blessing for him. And so this is his lived experience. He actually entered deeper into prayer because of the things that he was suffering in his life. And he realized these things that God had permitted him to suffer were actually a threshold to greater spiritual maturity. That's what he wants to lead us through uh, in, in these studies. And that his use of scriptures, he, he even says, look, some people may not be convinced of what I have to say about the night. If you're not convinced about it, it's because I'm a bad teacher. The, the reality that I'm trying to talk about, this doctrine of night, has been necessary for our spiritual growth. I, uh, this is true. And if you will live it, even if I've explained it poorly, if you will live this out, if you'll embrace it, it's going to be a blessing for your life. And so he's like someone who sees a horizon, something beautiful, that he knows is true, and he wants us to see it. And he knows that as he tries to point to it, that he's not going to get it, his, his explanations will always fall short. Because the mystery of this, this night, it, it's like the inbreaking of God's presence. And the, this night, the problem isn't that it's actually darkness. The problem is that the, the light coming at you in, in what we call the night is so brilliant, so dazzling, we're blinded by it temporarily. He glimpses this, he knows it's true, and he wants us to be dazzled too. And so he's going to do everything he gets to get us there. And that's why I keep on listening to his explanations over and over. Let the horizon he sees be the horizon that you strive to see. And as you're listening to this, as you allow that to happen, all of a sudden the logic of what he's presenting will make more sense to you as you go forward. And let's not forget, he is really... I think it can be said, can it, that he is the spiritual father of some of the most extraordinary saints of the last 500 years. How many Teresas are there now? You know, whether it's St. Therese, Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, Teresa of the Andes, and I, I don't mean to belittle that. I mean, there's Sister Josepha, and, and so many of these Carmelites who were brought under his particular tutelage through these writings and that have been passed down to those who would direct them. That's right. In fact, there's a book. I can't remember the author of it. I want to say it's Conrad Demeester, but I'm not certain on that. The book is Therese of Lisieux and St. John of the Cross. Mm. And, it, and it shows how Therese of Lisieux is a very deep reader of St. John of the Cross. We've already mentioned how uh, Elizabeth of the Trinity is a deep reader of St. John of the Cross, and we see that in her writings. But also uh, uh, Sister uh, uh, Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, the great Carmelite philosopher who was martyred in, in Auschwitz, put to death there. One of her great works is called The Science of the Cross. And in The Science of the Cross, what does she do? She unpacks St. John of the Cross's Doctrine of the Knights that you find here in the Ascent of Mount Carmel. 
And but even closer to our own time, we any number of my friends and people that I know who are involved uh, in really helping souls grow in holiness, they've been influenced by this teaching. Uh, this teaching kind of was renewed in the American scene by a, a great priest named Father Thomas Dubay, mm-hmm. who wrote Fire Within. And it, this was back in the 90s, published by Ignatius Press, uh, actually the 80s. And, and it re- energize people's desire to go into deep intimacy with the Lord, but an intimacy that you can only find if you're willing to to follow Jesus into this night where uh, where he's able to transform our hearts. I think we're at the threshold. I think more people today are familiar with these doctrines in a very beautiful way than, uh, than once was the case, and I think the fruits of it are spectacular. I think there's some some saints in the making right now in our midst who are benefiting from this. And and so our, our own reading of this or listening to these podcasts allows us to join a conversation that's unfolding in America right now and really around the world as people rediscover the, this, this wisdom of St. John of the Cross. Before we leave this particular conversation, Anthony, I, just, I think it is noteworthy, too, to remember that the Carmelites— before John of the Cross, really did not have the type of direction. They got great direction from the Jesuits, but Teresa saw in him someone who could lead them. And so he is trying to form the other Carmelite priests to help direct many women and men who are reading Teresa's life and her writings and who are all coming to the Carmels thinking they're in the 6th and 7th mansions, <laughs> or, you know, they're experiencing all these things, and John of the Cross is very sobering, saying, no, whoa, 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 slow down. I think we can find ourselves being caught up in that kind of need for that same type of sober counsel. Sure. I, I, John of the Cross is kind of like the apex of something that developed throughout the 16th century Spain, the golden era of, of Catholic mysticism in Spain. You have John of Avila, Peter of Alcantara, Teresa of Avila, Ignatius of Loyola, Francis Borgia, Teresa of Avila, and then and John of the Cross. It just is a beautiful development throughout the century. And one of the things about this development that you see is that each of the, these mystics, most of them doctors of the church now, saw that in order to protect mental prayer, you needed good doctrine. And they also saw that in order for good doctrine to flourish in the life of the church, you need a deep mental prayer. John of the Cross brings both of these things together in this book. And he's standing on the shoulders of people like Teresa of Avila and John of Avila. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's borrowing their insights and recasting some of the images they used to help us understand uh, what he sees as vital what he brings to the table is not only their experience, though, but his own personal experience as a director. I read somewhere, I think Father Ian Matthews says that at any given point uh, uh, while he was a priest, he had about 200 souls that he was directing. Hmm. And so he really, he knows human nature, he knows the scriptures, and he knows the people who came before them. He gives us the very best of all of them. Hmm. Final thought, Anthony? Well, I'm, I'm excited that Discerning Hearts is doing this, uh, sharing these podcasts. I think John of the Cross is going to be a great blessing. And 
uh, that his teaching, although it's kind of hard to take in the first couple times you listen to it, I think his teaching is going to bear some wonderful fruit in your listeners' lives. I know it has in mine. Thank you so much, Anthony Lillis. Thank you. It's been good to be with you, Chris. Have a good day.